We're very happy to have Brother Trey with us. We want him to come, take his liberty in the Lord. Somebody can get the Holy Ghost tonight. Somebody can be healed tonight. Somebody can be delivered tonight. Praise God. Brother Trey, come, let the Lord have his way. Praise God. I do. I, I thank my dad for watching. I have the most supportive dad and the most supportive mom. And so I do give them honor. Uh, I realized that last night I got a little long-winded and I heard it all day from my grandfather. And so I do apologize for preaching a little lengthy yesterday. Tonight I promise that I will satisfy your needs. And so I don't know how long that is for y'all, but for me that's about another hour. So I'm just, I'm just messing around. I do have a word from God tonight. I feel a very strong presence of God. I feel like someone has their back up against the wall right now. And they've been battling a battle for a very long time. And tonight, with the help of the Holy Ghost, I feel like stomping on the devil's head tonight. I feel like telling the devil that you don't have me, that you will never have me. I feel like telling the devil that he's not welcome here. I feel like inviting the presence of God in, that, in this place. I feel like we need to have a move of God. I feel like our lives need to be changed. I feel like there needs to be a move of God in this house tonight. If you're sick and tired of the devil always on your back, would you just give God a little more praise than you usually do? I don't, I don't know if you know how to jump up, raise your hands, maybe run a little bit. Maybe let's just have some old-fashioned church tonight. I know that we serve a God that is more powerful than any other thing in this world. I feel like we serve a God that can bless, that can heal, that can provide, and more importantly, that can supply our victory in the time of need. Tonight, I want to come boldly before you, and I want to preach for just a little while that there is a promise for that pain. There is a promise for that pain. In Psalms 34 and 18, it says that the Lord is nigh unto them that are of a broken heart, and saveth such as be of a contrite spirit. And like I said in the beginning, I feel like someone's been battling the same old stinking spirits They've been battling the same old fight. And tonight, I've come to tell you that there's a promise for that pain. There is victory on the other side of that pain. And there is a promise on the other side of that pain. Let's pray tonight. Lord, I invite your presence in this place. God, I pray in the name of Jesus that we would experience a move of God that we haven't felt in a long time. God, I pray right now that you would put some people back together, some people that feel broken, some people that need a need or need a miracle or need a healing in their body or need a healing in their mind. God, I pray and I plead the blood of Jesus over this service tonight. Lord, I invite your presence in this place. God, I know that there's somebody, Lord, that needs a word tonight. I know there's somebody that needs a promise tonight. And God, I believe in your name. In Jesus' name, you may be seated.
Pain is something that all humans are familiar with. Whether it is brought upon by yourself uh, or whether it's brought upon by someone else. Uh, we have all in this room encountered pain. One thing is for certain that pain is one of those things that never leave our thoughts uh, or our memories. Uh, we can all recall a time uh, where we were hurt. We can all be reminded of this pain uh, by scars that are on our bodies uh, or the mental scars uh, that will forever be ingrained uh, in our mind. But I believe that God has a purpose uh, for the impact that that pain has made on you. I believe that there is a reason why God allows you to remember the pain that you have been through. Omaha Beach on D-Day, the first wave of men to begin the march in Normandy, the Able Company, they rode in the tide in seven Higgins boats. They were 5,000 yards from the beach when they first encountered artillery fire. The shells of the enemy fell short at 1,000 yards, though boat number five was hit dead on and was sunk. Six men drowned before help arrived. Second Lieutenant Edward Gearing and 20 other paddles around until picked up by the naval craft. They were missed in the battles. They were missing in the fight at the shoreline. But today was their lucky day. Today they were lucky that their boat was sunk because as the men went to the shore, they were ripped apart by machine gun fire, and many men died. The other six boats were unscathed until they were 100 yards of the shore, where a shell into boat number three killed two men, and another dozen drowned. Taking on the water as the boat sinks, we're left with five boats. Lieutenant Edward Tidrick in boat number two, he cries out with a loud voice, My God, we are coming in at the right spot, but look, there's no shingle, there's no wall, there's no shell holes, there's no covering, there's nothing. His men were on the sides of the boat straining for a view of the target. They stare, but nothing at exactly 6.36 a.m., ramps are dropped along the boat line and the men jump off in the water, anywhere from waist deep to higher than a man's head. This is a signal awaited by the Germans atop of the bluff. Already pounded by mortars, the floundering line is instantly swept away by crossing machine gun fires from both ends of the beach. Able Company has planned to wade ashore in three files from each boat, center file going first and then flanking from the left and then to the right. The first men out trying to do what they were supposed to were ripped apart before they could make five yards. And even the lightly wounded, they die by drowning. They were doomed by the waterlogging of their overloaded packs. From boat number one, all hands jump off in water over their heads. Most of them are carried down. Ten or so survivors get around the boat. 
They clutch, they clutch on to the sides and attempt to stay afloat. And the same thing happens to the section in boat number four. Half of its people are lost to the fire or to the ocean before anyone could get ashore. All order has vanished from Abel Company before a single shot was fired from their gun. Already the ocean runs with red. Even among some of the lightly wounded who jumped into shallow waters, the hits proved fatal. Knocked down by a bullet in the arm or weakened by fear and shock, they are unable to rise again and are drowned by the on-rushing tide. Other wounded men, they drag themselves ashore. On finding the sands, they lie quiet from total exhaustion, only to be overtaken and killed by the water. A few more safely make it through the bullet swarm to the beach, and they find that they cannot hold it there, and they return to the water to use it for a body cover. Their faces torn upward so that the nostrils are out of the water. They creep toward the land at the same tide, the same rate that the tide comes in. And this is how most of the survivors make it. The less rugged or the less clever seek the cover of enemy obstacles moored along the upper half of the beach. And they're knocked off by machine gun fire. The first wave seemed very hopeless. It seemed like an impossible task. They had nowhere to go. Their back was against the wall, but they had to make a decision that day that they must fight on. They knew if they wanted to survive, they must keep marching forward, not giving in. Endurance, might, determination. These men were willing to die for the cause. We are all going to face decisions in life. Very important decisions. One of those decisions are whether or not we are going to stop and go back or whether or not we are going to continue and fight for the cause. I want to turn your attention to the book of Genesis, the book of the beginning and Genesis 25 and 24, these few verses are going to show us the importance of a decision. The future of Israel is at stake. Generation upon generations are dependent on what is getting ready to transpire. In verse 24 of chapter 25 says, And when her days to be delivered were fulfilled, behold, there were twins in her womb. This is talking about Rebecca. The first came out red all over like a hairy garment, and they called his name Esau. And after that came his brother out, and his hand took on Esau's heel, and his name was called Jacob. And Isaac was threescore years old when she bare them. And the boys grew, and Esau was a cunning hunter. He was a man of the field. And Jacob was a plain man dwelling in the tents. Isaac loved Esau because he did eat of his venison, but Rebekah loved Jacob. Jacob sawed pottage, and Esau came from the field 
and he was faint. And Esau said to Jacob, feed me, I pray thee, with that same red pottage, for I am faint. Therefore was his name called Edom. And Jacob said, sell me this day thy birthright. And Esau said, behold, I am at the point to die, and what profit shall this birthright do to me? And Jacob said, swear to me this day. And he swore unto him, and he sold his birthright unto Jacob. Then Jacob gave Esau bread and pottage of lentils. He gave him just a little bit of broth with a little bit of beans. It was not much. And he did eat, and he did drink, and he rose up and went his way. And the Bible says that Esau despised his birthright. In other words, Esau thought of his birthright as worthless and unimportant. But what Esau failed to realize was the birthright was more than just physical possessions. It was more than just physical blessings. But the birthright to God was priceless. And here we find Esau call what God called priceless, worthless. The birthright wasn't just about the inheritance of the flock or the family, but the birthright was a covenant relationship with God Almighty. God knew Esau was going to give up this birthright. He knew that Esau did not want a relationship with him. So he gave Jacob the gift of the conniver. He gave Jacob the gift of the deceiver. He gave Jacob the gift of the hill grabber. The same goes with many of us that come to church for just a blessing. The, the story goes, and, and, and we can reflect it to those that are blessed with a mighty fine job, but the job takes them away from the house of God. It reflects to those that get a miracle from God and then let offense ruin their relationship with him. The Bible says, what shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world but lose his own soul? What does it profit a man if he gains the world and gains money but loses his family? God is not looking for those that are seeking only blessings, but he's looking for those that are seeking after a relationship with our Creator. I'd rather go through pain in the will of God than experiences the promise of the world lost and without God. A few verses up in verse 23, God says that the older shall serve the younger. It was a promise before God. It, it was the will of God that Esau served Jacob. But God, he is always looking for somebody that just wants it a little more than another. He knows what he's doing. He knows the beginning and he knows the ending. He is the first and he is the last. 
He is the author and finisher of our faith. There is nothing that happens in life that God does not know about. He knows every situation that you're going through. And he knows the ending of that situation as well. Jacob, now you have the birthright. Jacob, now you have the blessing of God. You have the anointing of God. But Jacob, now you are going to have to go through some things. Jacob, you're going to have to prove yourself. Jacob, do you want the material things or are you striving for a relationship with me? There are always, 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 always going to be roadblocks between you and Jesus. These roadblocks are never permanent, but they are tests to see if you are in it for the blessings or if you are in it for a genuine relationship with the Savior of the world. Jacob, where you're going, no ordinary man can go. Jacob, where you're going, your past cannot follow. Jacob, where you're going, it's going to be lonely. It's going to be hard. It's going to be treacherous. But Jacob, there is a promise for that pain. In chapter 27, we're very familiar with the passage. Rebecca and Jacob deceive Isaac. And now not only did Jacob get the birthright, but now he has the blessing. And I've always wondered why Rebecca decided to deceive her husband. And everyone always says, well, it's because that she loved Jacob more than Esau. And that makes sense and all, but there's something much deeper than that. It seems to me that Jacob was a plain man. He dwelt in the tents. He stayed around the people. He was close to his mom. And I begin to wonder if the reason why she helped deceive Isaac is because maybe she knew that Jacob has bought the birthright and knew that the birthright was nothing without the blessing. Just like Christianity is nothing without love. Just like the ministry is nothing without the anointing. Just like our relationship with God is nothing without prayer. God is setting up the church for more than just a 10-soul revival. God is setting up the church for something greater than just people receiving healings. He's setting up the church for not just one person to be healed, but at one time, thousands upon thousands to be healed. God wants to pour out His Spirit upon all flesh, but we've got to have more than just Sunday morning faith, but we've got to be baptized with the God faith. Let the God that answers by fire let him be God. That's the type of faith that we need in this hour. God wants to take this next generation into the next level. But we can either look back and go back to where we came from. Or we can keep fighting for the faith like never before. There's a promise for that pain. 
Jacob, now you have deceived your father. Your brother thinks that you stole everything from him, and now your brother hates you. Now what? Jacob, where do you go from here? Your brother wants to kill you. You can't stay at home. But it's time to see how much you really want it. So Jacob flees to Badanaram, and on his journey, he makes a pit stop towards Haran, and he lays a stone down for his pillow, and God gives him a dream of the angels ascending and descending. And God makes him a promise that night that he'll give him the land. Wherever he goes, God will be with him. His seed shall be like the dust of the earth. And Jacob arises, and he was afraid. And he said, how dreadful is this place. This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. And he arose, and he made a vow to God that if he be with him and provide for him, then he shall be his God, like we talked about the very first night where we have to make vows to God. But before God could ever place a promise for you, you must make a vow. A vow is very important. It doesn't matter how hard life gets. You've got to make up your mind that I will follow God no matter how crazy this world becomes. No matter what pain comes your way, you've got to make up your mind that I'm going to follow Jesus. It doesn't matter what my friends tell me about God. It does not matter what my friends tell me about church. But we have to make up our mind that God, no matter what goes on in life, no matter what pain comes my way, God, my mind is made up. I will serve the Lord. Jacob, now you have encountered God. You started making these very important vows. But Jacob, now you're going to experience some pain. But don't worry. They're not there to run you off, but they're, they're there to see if it's a relationship with me that you're really seeking. And to make the long story short, time and time again, Jacob is hurt. He is lied to. He is cheated. He is talked about. He's mistreated. But Jacob, there is a promise for that pain. In times when you were isolated, in the times that your brother tried to kill you, and the times you were done wrong by your uncle, and time the woman that you loved couldn't bear a son, everything you were going through had a promise waiting on the other side of pain. And I know some of us can relate to Jacob, that you've thought you've done everything that you could do. You tried walking after God, tried to do everything right, but instead of promises, all you were experiencing was pain. You thought you'd come to church and you thought you'd receive your healing and you thought that the blessings of God would be upon you and you, you strive after God with everything you got. But instead of blessings, it's pain. Instead of healings, it's pain. It's painful. It's not easy. It's hard. But everybody 
as I said in the beginning, has two choices. You can either give up now or you can keep going. Every man is made up of two things, the flesh and the spirit. You cannot walk in the flesh and expect the anointing. You cannot walk in the flesh and be anointed. But there's got to be some decisions that you make. And fathers and mothers and even children, you have to make up in our minds that as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. As for me and my house, we're going to come to church. As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Jacob remembered when Rachel couldn't bear a son. And together, he would go into the tent and cry aloud to God. Jacob remembers when Rachel was becoming envious of Leah because she could have children, but the woman that he loved couldn't. Jacob remembers when Rachel finally bears a son and names that son Joseph. And Jacob sees uh, that enduring that pain, uh, the promise was a son uh, that would ultimately become the second most powerful man in the entire known world. Jacob was an outcast, or Joseph was an outcast from his family, but ultimately was blessed. Jacob, you have endured the pain, and the promise of that pain was Joseph. And because of jo Joseph, you were able to survive one of the hardest famines that the world had ever experienced. Child of God, God sees the pain that you are going through. He sees every obstacle that is standing in your way. And if anything happens tonight, we've got to make up our minds that we cannot give up, that we must continue. Because on the other side of pain, there's a name change awaiting for your future. You can't give up now because there's an encounter with God that will forever change your life. Now Jacob has been gone for so many years and he's ready to come home. And on his way back to home, he encounters God. And this encounter with God wouldn't change the history of Israel forever. Because now it's not the same Jacob that started off as a hill grabber and as a liar and as a cheater. But now it's a man of God who's ready for whatever comes his way. And in Genesis 32 and chapter 24, Jacob was left alone and there he wrestled with a man until the breaking of the day. And when he saw that he prevailed not against him, he touched the hollow of his thigh and the hollow of Jacob's thigh was now out of joint as he wrestled with him. And he said, let me go for the day breaketh and he said I will not let you go I will not give up I will not run except thou bless me and he said unto him what is thy name and he said my name is Jacob and he said thy name shall be called no more Jacob 
but of Israel. For as a prince hast thou power with God and with men and hast prevailed. Someone here under the sound of my voice has gone through pain that has crippled you. Whether that is physical pain or whether that is spiritual pain. But the pain that has caused has been caused in your body has allowed you to become fearful of the future. And you've come so used to that pain in your body, so used to that pain when you pray, you can't feel the presence of God. You, you're so used to that pain that you've just learned to deal with it. And you become so used to that lamp that it's become normal for you. You figure there's no way around it. You're used to the hurt. You're used to the pain. You're used to people turning their back on you. You're used to being treated wrongfully. And you just, you just keep limping on in life. And you don't know how far you can make it. But you just keep limping. And you wish that sometime someone would finally notice that pain. You wish somebody would notice the pain that you are going through. You wish, you wish someone would notice uh, all of the bad nights and all of the bad dreams, uh, but you just keep limping around and you just keep moving and God, I don't know how long that I can just keep on limping for you. God, I don't know how long I can keep coming to the house of God. Oh, my kids, they've left. Uh, my parents, they've left. Uh, you just keep limping. And you don't know how long you can limp. Uh, you don't know long. How, you don't know how far you can go. Uh, but tonight, I've come to tell you that, that God sees you. Uh, and he's using that limp. Uh, he's using that limp. Uh, that limp has got a story. Uh, that limp has got a testimony. That limp has a history. Jacob was going through an identity crisis. Uh, am I going to revert to my old ways? Uh, or am I going to follow God? Uh, and because he became so desperate for a change, uh, he wrestled with an angel. And God noticed uh, how desperate he was. Uh, God notices uh, desperate people. Do you really want change uh, in your life? Uh, or will I just turn back uh, and live life uh, with the same old pain? Jacob got his name changed from Jacob to Israel. But in the process of that name change, he was given a limp. You can always go farther limping in the will of God than you can sprinting in the will of the world. Someone tonight... Someone tonight, before you leave this place, you've got to have an encounter with that angel. You've got to encounter that angel tonight in the altar. And you've got to get a hold of that angel and tell God, God, I'm not leaving until you change my name. God, I'm not leaving with the same old pain. I'm not leaving with the same old limp. But God, God, God... I'm not going to let go of you. I'm not going to let go of you because there's promise behind every pain that you go through. There's a promise. 
for that pain. Someone needs to, to wrestle their angel tonight until their lamp becomes a promise. Joseph is going to be sold into slavery. Moses, you're going to be hated in the eyes of Pharaoh. Daniel, you're going to be thrown in the lion's den. David, you're going to have spears thrown at you. Joshua, you're going to have to battle Jericho. Peter, you're going to deny Christ three times. Stephen, you're going to be stoned. Paul, you're going to be shipwrecked. John, you're going to be thrown in prison. Judas, is going to betray Jesus. And Jesus, you're going to endure the cross. Notice that everybody had pain. But on the other side of that pain was a promise. We had a Savior that endured the cross. We had a Savior that died for you and me. We had a Savior that endured the scourging. We had a Savior that had to endure pain, but on the other side of pain was salvation. I don't know about you, but I'm thankful I had a Savior that was willing to see me in my lowliest times. I'm thankful I had a Savior that was able to see me in times of depression. I'm thankful I had a Savior that saw me in times of need, in times where I had a lamp, in times when nobody knew the pain I was going through. I had a Savior that called me by my name, and he said, Trey, you'll never be the same. Jacob, you'll never be the same, but you'll be Israel. Paul. He's going to be shipwrecked. John is going to be thrown in prison. And you got to notice that the only one that gave up, the only one out of that group was Judas. And he gave up and Judas would end up never being the same and would find himself hung from a tree. Child of God, you're going to go through some pain. You're going to go through some mud. You're going to go and people are going to turn their back on you. You're going to go through difficult times, but on the other side of that pain is a promise. Church, I've come bearing good news. There was a name applied to our life when we were dunked in the waters of baptism and that water and that blood gave me a promise that I'll see the streets of gold you're gonna go through difficult times you're gonna go you're gonna go through difficult times but like I said you have a decision I'm either gonna turn back now or I'm gonna keep fighting and I told you I wasn't going to preach long, so I'm getting ready to open up these altars if the musicians would please come. Jesus knew that the only way we were going to make it is if he endured the cross. The only way he knew we were going to make it is if he manifested himself in flesh and became one of us and went to that cross He knew he had to be hung between heaven and earth because there was somebody in Augusta, Maine that was going through difficult times. He knew there was somebody that had a lamp that they couldn't get over. 
He knew there was a young person who had family members walk out on you. He knew there was a person that had friends betray you. He knew that you had people talk bad about you and spread rumors about you and lie about you. So he said, uh, instead of you enduring the pain, uh, I'm going to endure the pain for you. And your pain uh, is going to be nothing uh, but a promise. Uh, and that promise uh, is eternal life. I had a kid on my bus route. He's from Kenya. He's a refugee from Africa. And he, him and his family, they watched as their village was raided. Men came in with guns, walked inside their house, and murdered their father right in front of the mother and all the kids. They grew up in America with a single mother. And one day that kid came to me. And he said, Brother Trey, I've been riding your bus for a long time. And I've gone through a lot of pain. But now I'm ready to belong to Christ. Because when I belong to Christ, I know he'll fight my battles for me. I know when I got a limp, I got a Jesus that got me by my side and will walk me through the valley, will walk me through the storm. He said, Brother Trey, I'm ready to belong to Christ. I'm ready to turn away from this world. Drugs couldn't do it for me. Alcohol couldn't do it for me. All the world has ever done was offer me pain. It only offered me misery. He said, Brother Trey, I'm ready to be baptized. I'm tired of living this way. I'm tired through going through pain. I'm tired through people turning their back on me. I'm tired of being betrayed. And as I got him in that water, I told this young guy, I said, don't you know that Jesus saw this 2,000 years ago when he was hanging up between heaven and earth? And he said, my son, I've been waiting for you. My daughter, I've been waiting on you. He was desperate for change. And I was desperate to see change in his life. So he went, we picked up his family, and they came to church. And they walked up to the front, and they hit their knees. And that entire family was filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost, with the evidence of speaking in other tongues. And when he got up out of that water, when he got up out of the water, he said, Brother Trey, one day I'm going to be a preacher. I'm going to be a preacher. Acts 2 and 38. I'm going to hit on this heavy. It says, Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of all of your sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Now watch this. There's a promise to for that pain and in Acts 2 and 39 it says for the promise is unto you and unto your children and to all that are afar off even as many as the Lord our God shall call God 
has seen where you've been. God has seen the pain that you've gone through. And tonight, if you need the Holy Ghost or if you need baptized in Jesus' name, if you're tired of living the same, if you're tired of walking with the limp, there is a water that is full of blood, of Jesus' blood. And that blood has got to be applied to your life. You don't have to wait until it's too late. If we'd please stand. You don't have to wait until it's too late. God is calling you now. God is placing a calling on you now. On the first night, we had to make a vow to God that says, God, if you'll bring me through, I'll serve you. And last night... We talked about having to have a burden for the lost. And tonight, above all else, God is going to call you tonight to reach somebody in your family. He's going to call you tonight to reach a friend. Even if that friend betrayed you, even if that friend talked bad about you, even if that family member betrayed you or talked bad about you, we're going to reach them. We're going to reach them through our prayers. We're going to reach them through our tears. We're going to reach them. There's a promise for that pain. Within seven minutes after the ramps dropped, Abel Company is decimated and leaderless. In boat number two, Lieutenant Tidrick takes a bullet through the throat as he jumps from the ramp into the water. And he staggers into the sand and he flops down 10 feet from private Leo J. Nash. And Nash sees the blood as it's spurting and he hears the strangled words gasp by Tidrick. And those words before he died were advance. We've got to advance. We've got to get to the altar. we got to get past that pain. we got to get past that limp. And we got to wrestle an angel until God changes our name. Will you advance tonight? Will you press on tonight? Will you keep fighting for just a little longer? Can you make it on just a little longer for your kids? Can you make it just a little longer for your families? Can you make it just a little longer for your daddy or for your mother? You got friends that are lost and without God. And they need somebody to step up tonight and say, I'm willing to go through the pain so you'll experience your promise. If you feel like you've been crippled by pain, if you feel like you just can't go any longer, I'm not just calling youth, but I'm calling adults because I know adults go through pain and youth go through pain. Jacob would have a lamp for the rest of his life, but it was worth it because he had a name change. And he was called by God. I don't care if you got to limp up to the front of the altar. We got to give God something he deserves. Because he died on that cross. He endured the pain so we could experience the promise. We had a Jesus that died for you. 
and he called you by name and he's calling your name tonight take on to my hand and let us advance let us advance I can't go through this pain any longer God I'm leaning on you advance 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 God I need you God I need you right now God I can't go any further Yonobo Sandarema Yonobo Sandarema